you're listening to i mean can we discuss and i am your host astrid ferguson we will be discussing different issues that can be debated articulated chopped up any kind of way there's no real set way to this it could be culturally it could be socially it could just be how we're feeling today so You're here for the randomness, and I hope you're here to stay. So remember to subscribe, share, and tell me what you think. Right. (laughs) So hi, everyone. I am here with Cheyenne Tyler Jacob. Um, She is many things. She is a model. She is an author. She's just a wonderful human being. And... um, I am more than happy to have her here with us. Uh, we're, we will be discussing different things. Um, I mean, I'll just let you go first so you tell people about yourself and then we can go into what we will be discussing. Yeah, well, first and foremost, thank you so much, Astrid, for letting me um, grace your podcast being able to you know be connected and speak with someone such as yourself on a daily basis definitely you know makes me feel that I'm not alone trying to you know add a little magic to this world um but yes said um I am a writer I'm um at she will speak on Instagram and that's you know my writing platform um, I just published my second collection of poetry, The Charge Type of Beautiful. Um, I actually, um, you know, got promoted at work. So I'm officially a counselor, um, life skills. Yeah, yes. that's wonderful. Yes, blessings on blessings always. So I'm able now to work hands on with um, the youth at my center, to, you know, to be able to help them with the issues that they have, be able to, you know, contact different resources in my community, which makes me just, you know, so happy to be able to be like, wow, like, you know, I help you. But now I can officially my title is, you know, helping you. And um, I think just everything else as you said I just do here and there so but one way I like to learn about people is you know as you do just to engage with them so I'm ready for these topics yes yes and today we'll definitely get into one that is very difficult especially for people who have been sexually assaulted to speak about um I know we both decided to join in the why I didn't report movement that's going on in Instagram. So why don't you just tell me a little bit about that? So one of the reasons why, well, first and foremost, I decided to join into the hashtag why I didn't report was because I feel there is very much a stigma, you know, that happens when you are a survivor about, you know, telling your story, whether that be, you know, that day, the day after, months, days, weeks, years. And in a sense, I feel like you were almost, you know, for telling your story. Uh, I feel like you are very much judged. I feel like people question if it really happened. They question, you know, the trauma of it. Um, So for me personally, one of the reasons why I decided to join in was to show that, you know, just because someone doesn't report, that does not mean they're lying. There are many different factors, you know, that come into play. Right. Um, And the other thing that uh, I guess people don't want to report right away is because all the questions that you have to answer and, and you don't you're not at a state where you want to talk about it you're still trying to process what happened to you it's definitely you know and that's the thing I feel a lot of people think because I've heard it so many times well why don't you just go to the cops and tell them and I feel like there is this idea that that's where the questioning begins and ends you know there's questioning many parts so okay you go to law enforcement you have questions there then you'll have questions if you're let's say in a college campus you have questions from the administration you have questions in the courtroom and with every time you get a question you are reliving that trauma you are reliving what happened especially you know as we both 
stated when you are someone who people are not believing when you are forever answering oh well why did you go hang out with them well, what were you wearing are you sure you know that you didn't quote unquote lead them to believe this was okay and this is something that you know whether it be a recent or a past trauma that can get to you you know after a while nobody wants something that happened to them to be treated as if it's a lie or to be treated as like, you know, something childish. And I do feel like that is one of the hardest things. And I feel like also you have to recognize what I tell people, because people always ask me all the time, oh, why don't people report like you should report? And I'm always like, you know what, why don't we make it a culture where you can report? You know, um, I'm very open even in my writing about my identity being from a suburban town being an african-american woman and i tell people all the time when i turn on the news or i turn on my social media and i see that these girls who are white with you know white perpetrators or even perpetrators of color get you know their selling gets three months nothing it makes me think well if you don't even help this person what makes you think you're going to help me? If you don't help this person because the Salem looks, Salem was already a bad guy. What makes you think you're going to stop the person that was the college athlete, you know? And it mm-hmm. really does come down to that. You have children who it's like, well, if I told that means I'm telling on a family member, uh, that means I'm telling on someone in my church. That means I'm telling on someone I know. And I feel that, we, you know, and this is why I use the word criminalized survivors, because we almost make it as if they're doing something wrong for finally building up that courage to speak about what happened. According to the National Statistics of Sexual Violence by Connecticut Alliance, victims of rape and attempted rape who did not report to the police did not report for a number of reasons. 43% of victims did not report because they thought that nothing could be done. 27% thought it was a private matter and 12% were afraid of the police response and the other 12% felt it was not important enough to report. Cheyenne and today we'll talk about her experience of what happened that night so um you know thank you again for having me and sharing my story so I think where I want to actually you know start first is you know and I always now add this to my story because I feel that very early on, we're actually taught a lot of these, like, you know, brush it under the rug or, you know, just forget about it. So when I um, was younger in school, you know, I was actually in um, like a little like, you know, video production type of class and they made me be a- How old were you? Sport up, sorry, 15. Um, I was, Mm -hmm. you know, Oh, sorry, I lost my place. I was um, partnered with this guy that I, like, did not Mm -hmm. like, like, did not like at all. Um, And he was the friend. No, sorry, I'm sorry. He, we'll see. He was the older brother of a kid that I was friends with. So, you know, and I feel like in grade school, you're always, not great, like in grade school like that, you're always kind of like, oh, high school, middle school, elementary school, careful, so... At the time, and, you know, still now, I still practice absence, but I was very much vocal Mm -hmm. about it. I guess it was just, like, I don't know why. I think it was because, you know, I was a kid. Um, At the time, I was young. Everybody, you know, that at least I was talking to was very much sexually involved. So I was just like, oh, no, like, I don't do that. I'm this. And, you know, even now, sometimes I'm like, Cheyenne, like, why did you parade this whole thing around? But, you know, that's neither here or there so some of the guys in my school um even when I was in middle school would like poke fun of it would make sexual comments make sexual jokes and I didn't think anything of it I was just like oh like they're so dumb and this is why like I mm-hmm. do this da, 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 da. so I guess one of the guys you know 
um this is one the day it happened thought it'd be funny he took like my um gig stick that's what I call it and first he put it down his pants he was like well if you want it go get it and I was just kind of like wait what keep in mind this is this is in class <laughs> this is this is in class and this is I feel like sometimes a perfect example and why I tell you know this story and what even happened after is because I didn't want to get in trouble so I didn't say anything you know the second instance I literally had one of the guys who they made me partner up with put me to the corner and pull out his genitalia and and like grab my hand and just you know made me touch it like pulled me down and again he was older brother of one of my friends we were in class nobody saw and my initial thought is oh my god like they're gonna blame me for this I'm gonna get in trouble for this I don't have to go to the principal I'm gonna tell my parents you know and like I said I'm this perfect cookie cutter Christian girl who just told God I wasn't going to see a penis or sleep with them once I was married so I couldn't be in this situation so I didn't tell anybody Mm -hmm. which you know if I would have known what I have known then that was you know sexual misconduct right and then in high school to add to that there is a lot of peer pressure I mean it's almost like you're an alien if you're still a virgin by the time you're uh what is it a third year mm-hmm. of high school a junior it's like that's not a bad thing you should hold on to your virginity until you're ready it it definitely is something i feel like you are like alienated about so if i would have known what i've known back then I feel like a lot of times and I actually, you know, and I know this is separate than what we're talking about. I actually have this conversation with some of my friends who were sexually active and who now practice abstinence. Um, and it actually is like a very interesting conversation because one day we read a, a, a like a research study and like a blog post about it. Like, you know, sometimes there is a stigma on both parts. Like if you were sexually active before marriage, like then you're dirty. And then it's like if you practice abstinence your whole life, like for whatever for whatever reason, you are pure and you are clean and you're all these different things. And it's like neither of those things are true because, you know, like for me, at the end of the day, I really had to rediscover why I decided to do that because I feel like I just did it because a preacher told me that if I don't, I wasn't going to heaven because God won't like me anymore. And that's not a reason that anybody should be doing anything. If you do anything, it should be because you yourself believe it, not because somebody forced you to. But I do feel that there's a lot of peer pressure and that experience. And I, you know, working, you know, with youth and meeting different people in school, I I have seen that, you know, sometimes when you're virginity or like you're very like, oh, I'm not sure about sexual activity sometimes that can make you like not even I would say like the pinpoint to sexual violence but even just you know for myself you become the basis of the jokes which can lead to sexual misconduct which can lead to sexual violence I've heard it and seen it happen many a times so yes I've experienced it myself as well um I had one boyfriend in high school and I think I waited until I was like a junior to do anything I mean I met him when I was a freshman and I kept getting peer pressure from my friends sometimes him as well Um, and I just I wasn't ready and then when I finally did I wasn't ready then either Mm. and it ended up being not what I wanted my first experience to be um, looking back now after you know what a rapist is and all that, it ended up being that because even if you're in there, you're in a process and you decide this is not what you want and you say no and you, you know, try to get them off and they continue from that point forward, it's considered mm-hmm. rape. And, you know, what I will say is exactly what you said and I feel like that is an important message you know for 
anybody listening, you know, whether you are a victim survivor of this or you're just, you know, listening in is the idea that sometimes what you think something is will change. And this goes back to like, you know, well, why didn't people report? Because for me, you know, like you said, for us, you know, younger, we just thought, oh, well, this we knew, you know, it didn't feel right. But it was just kind of like, okay, well, you know, I can maybe walk away from this. Now, mm-hmm. I feel like, like for me, like learning what I know now, now I understand why I could not fully, you know, walk through, away from this. And then, you know, when I went to college, being that, you know, I was who I was, like, I was very loud, very tall. I know people always joke like, oh, Shine, I can picture you being so shy your whole life. I'm like, right? You know, I never had anything to say. Um, and being from mm-hmm. a small town, you know, I never really had guys. Let me rephrase because everyone likes to say, like, you don't know who maybe liked you and wanted to pursue you, but there was a small little fish of people to choose from. None of the fishes I want chose me. So in my head, no one wanted me. Um, so when I went to college, I was like, ooh, there are all these little fishies in the sea. Um, so, and one thing I do know, and one thing at least I can say is I feel like when you're on college campus, things and feelings progress very quickly. Because, you know, when you go to school, you go to the school, you hang out with each other, you see each other in class, and you go back home. But when you're living yes. on a college campus, it's like friends and, and relationships sometimes, I feel like, form within days. So I met this guy, and basically, like, you know, we just, I feel like feelings caught on just so, so quickly. Um, and I enjoyed it. And so, um, and I do actually... You know, even in the, my book, The Charger Type of Beautiful, I wrote some pieces on it. It got to a point where I could tell. And from what I heard, even after the fact, he himself, you know, was struggling with his virginity at the time because he, you know, wanted just really wanted to go to college to have sex. And I think he did, you know, mm-hmm. maybe possibly was attracted to me and liked me but as we know you know rape and sexual violence is a power so it started off very you know manipulative in the aspect of like oh well you should do it like first it was nice like subtle like you should do it if you like me and i'm just like no 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 then it just turned very much like angry like you know what you're you're effing disgusting you're dirty you're this you're that and it was just kind of like wait how did how did you go you know from this you know to that so it was one day I you know um and I just like I'm not personally at a point yet to go into detail or fully about it but um it was just one day it was just kind of like you know oh like you should come over and again college like you know you dorm like people are two steps away from each other and I did and you know when it happened my first initial thought was, oh my gosh, like I came to college to get an education and this is what happens. You know, how am I, how am I supposed to tell, you know, anybody that this happened to me? Mm-hmm. And one of the thoughts I always, you know, are one thing I always tell, even when other survivors come to me to talk, because, you know, I'm always, you know, open about speaking to people. I'm always very transparent myself is, they always say sometimes they felt conflicted. And I said, even sometimes to this day, I wonder if when I went back to my dorm, because I, I guess you could see the shock in my face, the sadness in my face. My roommate was like, are you okay? And I remember telling her mm-hmm. no. I, mean, I remember telling her yes. And to this day, I wonder what would have happened if I told her no. Like sometimes I wonder if I would have told her no and told her what happened. You know, what would have happened? What would have happened if I would have been honest, like this happened to me and, you know, even my friends during that time in college, they didn't like him. They told me straight up, we think he's manipulative. We think he's this. So I felt a lot of shame, like, oh my gosh, like something bad did happen and and you just can't let anybody know. And, you know, what has happened, you know, because of that, you know, this is why I am in a sense, thankful for growth, thankful for supportive people, is I've realized how, you know, why, you know, things like Me Too, Time's Up, why I didn't report are important, because it's not just that one night, it's everything that comes after it. I remember even speaking to one of um, a youth um, 
one day about how they said they wonder what they could have been if it never happened. And that broke my heart for someone to think about that. You know, what could my personality be? How hard could I love somebody if this event never happened to me? And you know what? Um, I remember when I was, you know, doing activism work during the Me Too movement, you know, um, someone, you know, was asking me, they were just interviewing me about it. And I said, you know what the thing is, you know, and you probably feel this too, especially being a creative, you know, we write about our feelings, we do spoken word about this. And it's like, you know, when people listen to us talk and people hear our stories, they sometimes sit there, they cry, they applaud, they say, thank you so much for being transparent. But a lot of times we forget that when you scroll past my post, when you leave the show, I still go home with all these feelings. Studies have shown under the National Statistics on Sexual Violence of Connecticut Alliance that one in every seven victims of sexual assault is under the age of six. One in four victims of sexual assault under the age of 12 is a boy. 13.3% of college women indicate that they have been forced to have sex in a dating situation. Nearly six out of 10 sexual assaults occurred in a victim's home or the home of a friend, relative, or neighbor. So there is a stigma that is going around that if you are in a relationship, it couldn't possibly have been rape. And that is a stigma that must stop. Even if you are in a relationship with someone and you say no and that person continues, that is considered rape. more than you know you know telling about what happened these stories show like you know what like what I like what someone one of my youth told me who what could my personality have been you know sometimes I'm like you know maybe I could trust people more maybe I can allow you know someone I care about to get close to me without guessing if they're gonna hurt me like that and it it definitely is something where like, even now, like, I'm tearing up a little bit about it because I'm thinking about just not even myself, um, but all the stories I ever heard. It really is mm-hmm. trying to not only heal yourself, but trying to heal yourself. And I feel like, in a sense, discover who you are. Discover, right. Discovering who you are all over again. And if you haven't discovered who you are, like, I don't think I knew who I was at that time. Now you have to figure who that is with all this added stuff on top of it. Yes, of course. And we're going to take a little break and then we will talk about the residual effects of sexual assault and then not reporting. Hi, everyone. We're back my little commercial break and since these things are so difficult to talk about I know because it took me what long time very very decades (laughs) (laughs) to finally come forth Um, Cheyenne is going to talk about it the best way she knows how and that is through her poetry so here she is with two of her pieces to summarize how she felt and how she dealt with it. Thank you. So um, both of these poems are um, in the tragic type of beautiful. So the first one is You Tried. Um, So I kind of give the short little summary after, but pretty sure once you hear it, you'll be like, oh, you know, I understand now after hearing everything. So the boy who tried to sleep with me, congrats. You unknowingly signed up for an emotional breakdown you probably did not want, mixed with tears and anger. I'll tell you that I trust you and I'm fine. Then about 10 minutes in, you'll touch me and I won't be able to handle it. Memories will start pouring into my brain and I will express them through my tears. It will look like I'm crying because I am. You'll get all freaked out. OMG, she is crying real female tears. What did I do? Nothing. You did what you were supposed to do. You just did not know how broken the pieces of my heart and mind are. I hide them so well. So going back, you'll freak out. I'll cry. We will both stare at each other. I'll leave and delete your number because why would you call me back? 
and you won't call me back. You will never know why I cried in the first place. As a matter of fact, no one ever knew why I would cry. No one's ever called back. And wow, even reading that um, today, Mm -hmm. I feel that that is sometimes still so true. And definitely going through my own healing process and working with other people and, you know, speaking especially to other women through theirs, I have come to realize that, you know, we all meet, as you just said before, we all meet people at different points and stops in their life. So a lot of these young men who met me after, you know, many of my instances and and many of my moments in life where I was only dealing with this, I was dealing with so many other things, they, they got that. They got tears. They got someone, they got the Cheyenne that was trying to pretend that she was okay and was trying to act like nothing ever happened. But, you know, as I said, every time I would get close to somebody and, you know, there I talked about being sad and tearing up, but I actually spoke to you um, on one of the breaks that, you know, sometimes I just feel numb. Right. That's usually the first reaction. It's, and it was actually, and it is actually very heartbreaking to, you know, be on a date or to like someone and to be like, wow, like I'm really interested in this person. And then they kiss you or they touch you and you're just nothing. And not a nothing mm-hmm. like I don't feel sparks, like a nothing like this, this feels cold. And yes, it's kind of like, I don't, I don't want to feel cold. Neither do I not want to feel cold at the time. And even sometimes now it's hard to, because this is not, not to say this is not something you don't want to tell, but like anything else, people might know your story in the aspect of, oh, wow, I know this person went through this, but not everyone will get to hear it straight from your mouth. If you understand, you get what I'm saying? So yes. For me, it's kind of like when I let someone in and when I let them see that part of me, I kind of want to make sure that they're staying for the long run. And, you know, unfortunately, especially being I'm 23 years old and I've heard it from many people, not everyone can handle someone with that type of story or not everyone can sit and dwell and be like, you know what, my partner might not be able to, you know, hold me today. Or be able to, because like I said, it can be something as simple as we're sitting there talking and they'll say something um, as simple as, oh, you can trust me. And then it's just like, no, I, I, I can't trust people. So I definitely feel, you know, that poem speaks a lot to how I feel after and, you know, what I'm still kind of working through. And so um, the second one I'm going to read you is called Story, which is actually, I feel very relevant to what is happening today um and sadly we teach young girls that they will be to blame for the unwanted sexual advances that happen to them when they choose to be silent we assure them it must not have been that bad when they choose to speak up we punish them for ruining someone else's future we single these women out make them choose between victim and survivor before they tell their story they did not choose the trauma placed on them so stop making them choose how to tell their story Um, And I, you know, wrote this because as a poet, as a writer, like I I tell my story, as I'm sure you tell your story through your work a lot of times. You know, sometimes my work speaks before me verbally telling somebody what it is. Sometimes I'll admit I'll even write something as kind of like a hint as, hey, like, this is what I've been through. This is what I'm going through. This is what I'm dealing with. And I was told by many people like you need to stop writing stuff like this like what are you doing like this is this is this is crazy like now you have people asking questions like what is happening and it just kind of made me feel like wow like so I don't even get to have my own story like Mm -hmm. I which I think is crazy like I and I had this happen to me and I don't even get to talk about it because it upsets other people around me because it makes other people feel uncomfortable. And I feel like, again, you know, why don't people report? Why don't, why didn't I report? Why don't many people report? Because we're not cultivating a community where you can report. We're not cultivating a community where people even feel comfortable telling people in their circle because they feel like they have, their story has to be this perfectly packaged thing 
you know, you need to know. I was actually even watching, I forget who they were interviewing. It was on CNN News. And they asked the gentleman, like, could you prove it? And he was um, a victim of childhood sexual assault. And he said, this is the thing. Like, you know, when you were even going back that far, he was like, this happened over 30 years ago. He was like, no, I couldn't prove it to you. He was like, but I still hold the trauma with me. And that statement really hit me hard because I feel like sometimes, especially when people do wait to come out with their story, we want all these perfect little detailed facts, emotions, this, that. And as I'm sure you know how trauma just works mentally, you can block a whole incident out. Because I do feel like some people would say, and I've heard it, well, that's not, you know, that's not harsh rape. That's not too violent. But it was enough of a catalyst to be pushed back into my subconscious. So obviously it did something. Exactly. So in your opinion, what would you say could be some things that the community or anyone in general, a parent, to help? you know, little girls and boys actually tell their stories instead of guarding it and letting these predators go because these predators go on to attack someone else Mm -hmm. when you don't report. And that's, that's what the consequence is. So it doesn't just affect you. It means they get to go on and do it to somebody else. So what would be some suggestions that you think people should take or actions that people should take so that people can report or feel comfortable reporting? I always feel, especially, I feel like there are different, not to say levels of things you can do, but I feel like, as you said, something that you could do for the five-year-old that tells you what happened and the 15-year-old and 25-year-old are all going to be different. You know, me being someone who was older in the sense of, you know, I wasn't a child, you know, to someone older than me, I was a child. But to me at the time, it was like, you know, I was very aware of what was happening in the world. So for me, it came down to, would anyone really believe this happened? Would I get in trouble for this? And the answers for me were yes. So I'm like, I'm gonna just keep my mouth shut. I feel like we need to cultivate a community, which I feel we are starting to do of allowing individuals to tell their story. And first and foremost, before you start with, we'll tell the cops, file a, a file against them, you know, send them to jail. The first and foremost thing is, are you okay? Let's hear what happened to you. We believe you, what do you need? You know, I feel like so much pressure is put on like, well, if it was that bad, then you should report so you could send them to jail. And trust me I like I said I feel like these are all thoughts that the community of us who are you know survivors have had because I've definitely had that same thought like wow like this guy could go off and do the same thing to somebody else I even had I had one young lady reach out to me who said the exact same thing she's like people told me like I was horrible because I'm letting this happen to somebody else and I feel like at that point you're now kind of forcing somebody to tell their story you're you're not even right. allowing them to heal. You're kind of just like, oh, well, now keep in mind, you're just like letting this guy keep going on. So think about the trauma of what this person did to them. And now you're putting the fate of other men or women into their hand at the same time. To me, that's not fair. No, it's not. And you should be allowed to heal. So I think for you, one of the outlets was poetry. Well, it right? was poetry was one of the outlets that allowed me to heal and allowed me, I feel like, to physically read and see and comprehend what was happening. Um, and I know we talked about this earlier. We need more resources. Not, not just yes. as simple as I said. It's not just going to report. It's going to counseling. It's going to talk to someone. I know, and I actually was um, reaching out to a few individuals in my community who I know work specifically with survivors on how to talk to young men. Because I have a lot of young men now in my life who have survived these who have survived being sexually assaulted and they can't even use the term rape in their name in the same sentence like when they talk about it, it's like oh yeah this thing that happened and when you kind of try to like you know get them to open up about it 
it's like instant like closed up tough guy and I'm like see like in my head I'm like you don't even realize how this is affecting every aspect of your life and we would say well you know they don't want to talk about it if they they feel they're fine this is what I always tell people you never force somebody but I always like to say when people ask me and this is one of the techniques even in domestic violence don't just kind of say well if you're not going to tell then that's it you need to be an outlet especially when someone's older because at that point you know I feel like when you're an adult people are kind of like oh like you know you're 20 something you're 30 something you're 40 something if you didn't tell now then get over it that that's not the response at all the response should be I'm so sorry that this happened to you I'm like I'm sorry that you had to keep this covered up if you want to talk about it I'm here even if you even which I've gotten from some people even what I used to say people this thing that happened even if you claim it as this thing that happened because you can't even formulate the words and to me that just shows how much pain you're in I, then I'm talking yeah. about the thing that happened or I'm here to walk you through it or it's like one thing I personally and this is just from someone who you know didn't do it and knowing what I know now if someone is willing to you know because I've had people reach out to me like oh this person you know told me they just got assaulted what should they do I tell them if they're able to and if and if you know they can do it because you don't have to report but I always tell them go to the hospital and get the kid done because you can sit there if you have records like you know this person texting and talking to you you know making because I know even people said like they especially in the age of social media and everyone's on their phone the person has even texted them after kind of mocking what they did save all that that's information and I kind of you know for for individuals especially women who are able to kind of keep all that stuff together that way if one day you do want to come out and be like this happened to me and now I want to press charges you can but I feel like you can't just make it either you know you say it happened or it didn't then you're going to move on that's not fair and I feel the biggest thing is offering the resources of healing whether like you said for me that's writing whether that's therapy whether that's just someone to talk to and I feel like on the family level and this goes um and definitely I have a lot of friends who are therapists and psychiatrists. So I love, you know, talking to them and haha, picking their brain um, in a sense of <laughs> like the things that they see or work with. And, you know, one of my best friends, she specifically now wants to work with men who are these survivors yeah. because being able to see the anger, which is anger is really sadness that builds up. I feel for families, especially, like I said, people of color, we need to stop brushing these issues under the rug. And especially when these people are family members, we need to stop hiding that. You know that you yeah. know that this person does this. Stop inviting them. You need to tell the truth. And a lot of times we like to say, oh, like just keep it hush hug. It stays in the family. No, you can't. You can't do that anymore. Yes. And it, it really depends on the person's background. Sometimes people don't even have a secure outlet or somebody to support yeah. them. Um, I, I, that was my case. In my case, my story is a little different. My story, I came from, it was a, um, a terrible childhood. I mean, my, my mother met my stepfather um, who I talk about in my new book, by the way, The Serpent's Rattle, mm-hmm. I had to create a character in my book because even now that I am 32 years old, it still hurts to talk about it. Like some things, I can't talk about it. I can write about it, mm-hmm. but I can't talk about it. And there will be a lot of things in that book that I won't say out loud because I can't even get through it without getting upset and reliving the days. And this man, you know, he came in, it was a regular, regular guy, seemed like a nice guy when he first met her. And my mom found out after she was eight months pregnant with my sister that he was still seeing his wife. And, you know, he told her that they were separated um 
but she, you know she believed what he had to say i mean she was this you know she was straight off the boat like i said here in in america uh, she didn't really know english that well she didn't really know how to maneuver in the united states and here was this guy who had a car and he knew how to navigate going through new york city so she was attracted to that and when she found out what he was really doing she was eight months pregnant with my sister so she stayed with him after all of that and that's when the horror began i mean he was abusive he would beat her and I personally believe a lot of these issues come from domestic violence. Mm -hmm. When you stay with somebody who beats you, like, what do you think happens when you're not there? They go after the children. Um, and that's what happened to me. I got my period when I was 11. I remember because I was with my father. And... You know, my father, who's Haitian, is very cheap, was a very cheap guy. So he got me one of those, like, you know, those 99 cent pads <laughs> that they hurt like hell. Yes, those ruffle and square. Yes, it's like sandpaper. <laughs> and my mom says, no, bring her home. Um, I have the correct pads that she needs to wear. And besides, she should be, you know, with a woman. So... You know, she doesn't think anything is wrong with her. Mind you, the greatest thing they ever invented was to give courses in school about periods because my mom never spoke to me about it. I learned about it through the school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I knew I wasn't dying. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I just, you know, didn't know what type of uh, uh, pads or anything so I didn't know what brands you know you're I, just like oh this, is, this is it like this is happening today right and I had cramps like hell and my dad didn't have any medication so I had to deal with it so then when I went home my mom you know she told me you know you always want to get the always with wings and she told me good girls don't wear tampons mm -hmm. You know, unless you're sexually active. I didn't know what she was saying. I was just like, I don't even know what those are, you know? Yep. So that's how the, the, her, her boyfriend, long, long time boyfriend decided that he was going to teach me about sex. He never consulted with my mom or anything. If anything, he grabbed me when it was at night. She was asleep. And he puts on porn tapes and makes me watch them. And then the next thing I know, he was touching me and he was doing things to me. And when you're a little girl you don't know what's going on you don't you don't even know that you know you're being sexually assaulted you just know that it doesn't feel, feel right. right and i i remember like i think to this day what bothers me is how couldn't i scream no and call for my mom or you know mm -hmm. That's I think that's what still haunts me to this day because now, you know, like I'm I'm very outspoken, but then when I was a little girl, like I barely would say two words and no one why are you so silent? Mm, you know, and no one that's deep. Right. Yeah, no one asked me why are you so silent? Why are you so skinny? Why are you never eating? Why are you, you know, you look like you're depressed. No one asked me any questions. I went by for years and no one even seemed to put the two things together, you know? And so much. my mom, my mom, she, he would rape her constantly. Um, I would hear the screams. I would hear a lot of the things that she would say and she stayed so it made me feel like if she didn't do anything mm -hmm. 
who's going to protect me? You know? No, and I I understand. And, you know, like you said, it's, it's sad, but in that aspect, I feel like it becomes a learned behavior for a lot. Like, it just kind of, first of all, I feel like for some, it might desensitize. For others, it might show them, you know, that's okay. I mean, like they say, for many people, it's like they say people who bully, people who abuse, many of them have witnessed it or were victims of it or experienced it sometime, some form or fashion in their life. And yet, I feel like we still don't have the resources or we don't want to admit that this is a problem. And, you know, like you said, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to go back to the point you said, when you said nobody noticed it, I definitely feel that because when I was in college, like I was, it was to the point, like I said, I was the SGA. I had all the awards. I had all the chords. People were like, shine. I, don't, I think you have every chord you could possibly get for graduation. Like there are, one of my friends, like there are no more chords. Just stop. There is, your neck is going to break. And it was crazy mm-hmm. because when I started spiraling down, like not showering, not eating, like people were just kind of like, you know, some people were kind of like, oh, you're good. But, but you know what I feel like it is. And I feel like you might understand. It's how they, you know, because I love memes and I love, you know, laughing. And I feel like I one day saw a meme where it's like when you post something and the wrong people like it. And I feel like that's what sometimes it is when trauma happens. And, you know, like I said, with my job, I do a lot of trainings. When they talk about suicide prevention, many times people are calling out for help and they want somebody to help them. Like most people who are suicidal, actually teenagers who are suicidal, want somebody to know. They do. Because they want somebody to kind of be like, hey, like, are you okay? And like you said, it behooves me in a sense when I was going to that same phase, not eating, not showering, people were kind of like, are you okay? And I'm like, oh, I'm fine. I think I just really wanted someone to be like, what happened? What's wrong? But I didn't. Or just stay. Just stay, you know, even even just the kind gesture of just not leaving, just not taking that, okay, yep. and then you're gone. Just like, or how are you? Like, um, I'm fine. Like, and just, just walking away and you know, I, I really feel like I I connected with the statement of how you said, like, I'm a very talkative, outspoken, tell it like it is, opinionated person. And I feel like when I was going, you know, through all that, and I feel like, you know, at every, not to say milestone point in my life, I was kind of reminded of that time. I feel like every time I tried to speak to a new guy, anytime I, you know, someone talked about sexual assault and rape, I kind of was reminded of it again. I feel like, it was almost like a, I just couldn't speak about it. I couldn't talk about it. As a matter of fact, I think the first time I actually told someone as the form of like, you know what, this is the person, this is what happened was I was in class my senior year and I thought the guy, I thought he had vanished. Like I didn't see him. I don't even think I saw him like after we stopped talking, after we went home for that semester, he moved off campus. I'm like, okay, he's gone. And I think that was also one of the reasons I didn't tell anybody because it was kind of like my demons left. It was like a scene out of a Lifetime movie, it, like mm-hmm. sitting in class and, you know, it was a class that I connected with race, um, race, gender, sexuality. And it was like diversity class You came in. And at first I'm like, oh, this class is going to suck because I'm looking at the professor and I'm like, he definitely does not look like, no, he does not know what he's talking about. Then he did an activity where he showed us our racial bias by reading us the headlines of news reports and basically have us guess what we think the people looked like. I'm like, oh, this is going to get kind of lit. We're getting personal people's feelings. Oh, I love this class. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I like this class. So the next week. And the way my school protocol was, was like, I think it was, I think the second week, which I hated, is when you can decide if you drop a class. I feel like you don't even know how you feel about a class in the second week, but that's not this conversation. So the second week, mm-hmm. I'm sitting there, and I, and it was like the day before the dropping period, and I loved this class. Still to this day, I love that class. I'm sitting there, and we had a circle, and I look up, and he walked in. And I was just like, mm-hmm. it felt like the world stopped. It felt like all those emotions came back up. I ran out, you know, I called one of my best friends and I'm like, I don't, and I, I was like, I don't know what to do. I'm like, I like this class. I need one of these classes to graduate. I'm a senior. 
I'm graduating. And I felt like, you know, everything that came up when I was going through this, when I came into college, everything that had happened throughout all those incidents, I knew a failed, you know, attempts of even friendships with people because of the incident had came back up in that one moment. Mm -hmm. And if only, I wish I could express to you the smirk that he gave me when he even came into the class as if he knew mm-hmm. and he and he dared and I think this is what bothered me he dared to sit across from me mm-hmm. as if it was as if it was like a oh you thought you thought it was over like you thought I was gone and you know one I think thing that made me realized I had a voice and realized I think I had more strength than I gave myself credit for was everybody told me to drop the class and you know what Mm -hmm. I feel like we do this very often to survive we make them move we make them change what their you know daily thing is you know like one of my friends who's an activist in DC she said people change the way they will go to work people change the way they dress we as survivors have to change so much of what we do to accommodate this other person. And yes, I, not to say I was hurt because at the time, you know, my friends were giving me the advice they thought was good advice. Just drop the class, you know, your problem solved. And it's like, no. And I was like, I'm not running from this. I'm not going to give up something I like. And even though it hurt, Ash, if I could tell you how much it hurt every class to sit there and to see his smug face, I can honestly say if people say, like, name a time in your life where you think you showed strength, I think for me, I did so much growing just accepting to stay in that class because I felt and I did some deep meditation that night. I remember that whole day, like, I'm like, I'm not giving up something I like for that, for him. I can't I couldn't because to me it was kind of another way of saying like you got me and you know not everybody is at a point where they could you know even think about the person let alone let alone look at the person but I would also say you know what is a way we can make this a cultivated community is you can't rush anybody you can't rush anybody's healing the same way some people may not speak about it until X amount of years later. You know, some people can't even think about seeing them. I, I think, just kind of did it because at the time, first of all, I feel like my hands were tied in a lot of different ways. I needed to graduate. I needed this. I had a tight schedule. Like, I literally could not give up this class, and I liked it. And then on top of that, I thought the guy disappeared, and now here he is. Like, to me, like... When I mean it was like a scene out of a Lifetime movie, I was like, this this is a dream. Like, I sat there like, this is not happening. This is not happening at all. And I feel like some might see that and be like, oh, my gosh. See, well, you know, you were able to do this, but you can't compare. You can't compare what I was able to do to what someone else was. Because at the end of the day, even though I was able to sit there, I still don't talk about it fully. I still don't really point out. I think, like I said, one friend knows who he was because he walked by he appeared magically again on campus i'm like there there you go that's him right there because i was just that distraught over yes and that's and that's usually what happens um when you have to look at them i mean unfortunately for me i had to look at this man until i left the house when i was 17 um and he knew very well what happened and it was almost like he was waiting again and again all the time and I would just avoid it every way that I could Um, but that's usually the life of somebody who has been sexually assaulted and has to continue to live with who sexually assaulted them and I know there is no um set time for healing but unfortunately if we're talking about legal logistics for everybody out there uh we all know about the bill cosby Mm. case and there is a statute of limitations and that is 10 years so if you haven't filed within those 10 years 
you'll be like all those women that got dropped off the cases. I'm sure, you know, the case can be debated a whole lot of ways, but that's part of the problem. If you still did it, you still, you know, whether they, they agreed to seeing you or whatever the setting was, there's no need for you to be putting drugs and then take advantage of someone. That's still rape. Yeah. You know, if somebody doesn't, doesn't con- consensually say they want to do that with you, or even if they do and then they say no, after that point, it's rape. It, like, listen, it it's crazy to me because I feel like, and I, I say this all the time, I feel like the amount of questions that rape and sexual violence and even domestic violence gets, I feel like no other crime gets this question. I feel, and, and I feel like no, like even the things that judges say, like there was um, this week a man who was able to walk from suffocating a young woman, she passed out, and then he masturbated over her, and the judge's response was, well, I don't think he'll do it again. And I was like, what? I was like, so are, yeah. so are we judging? Because am I, like, what I mean, I was, and it's sad, because at the same time of not being shocked, you sometimes still are shocked. Because I'm like, so when somebody kills somebody, when somebody steals, are we, like, I don't, I've never heard that. Well, I don't think they'll kill somebody again. I don't think they'll actually, you know, do this again so I'm just gonna not punish them for this crime and I do you know feel what like you know what you're saying is you can't pick and choose like um a lot of people don't know are now being aware of stealthing which is something I talk about because it is a growing thing but it's always been around and it is the process of removing your protection while having sex with someone which like I tell people number one if you're the person doing it, that puts your health at risk. Number two, because at that point, you're committing a crime. So more importantly, you're putting someone else's health at risk. You're putting someone else's safety at risk. And you are going against their consent, which means you rape somebody. And you would be surprised. And this is one of the reasons why I feel sometimes people feel so strongly against issues is because I sometimes think people have done them. And or, you know, the flip side, people have had it done to themselves and they're not yet ready to admit that that happened because you know when i or they or, or they've seen cases where cuz i i'm not going to say that there aren't people who frame other people true yeah uh, or that they don't lie about it because it happens but um i mean you should expect to get questioned because that that is the way that the law is but it doesn't take away the fact that it's flawed Mm -hmm. because there are so many cases so many cases where domestic violence happens so often and the person doesn't get anything you know and then it gets to that point where either they rape who they are abusing or it ends up being somebody gets murdered and it doesn't have to end that way. If somebody did something when it occurred, like if, if somebody is filing and saying this person is, is beating on me, like it shouldn't take months to get a restraining order. It shouldn't take all the, all this paperwork that you have to go through just for them to see if it's true. And I feel, and it's true because, you know, statistically speaking, most women are killed by an intimate partner, their boyfriend, their husband. So Mm -hmm. to me, that is showing that there, like you said, there obviously is a flaw in our system because yes, although we, you know, we know not everybody reports or tells what happens when it happens, but many of times there is much proof. There are restraining orders. There are so many things before the fact and then, like you said, when somebody is killed, it's all like, it's like, oh, my God, like, they were killed. What, what you mean? The two restraining orders they filed, the three times they went down to the police station with pictures and a bus, that didn't mean anything to you. That was just, them, you know, well, give it some time. Do this, do that. And to me, that statistic is, is very much scary. That is how most women are killed. by some, but, And this is another, like, I feel like people still, which it does happen. People are you know, abused, assaulted by people that they don't know. But I, but it's most of the time someone that you know, whether you're a man or yes, it's someone that you know. And I feel like when we actually accept that as a fact, not, you know, a fairy tale, not a rumor, but a fact, 
I feel like we could actually do more when it comes to prevention and when it comes to like, you know, the legal system, because I feel like people are really well, well, they were such a nice person to you. They were your this, they were your that. And that's okay. Yes, they were your your teacher, your pastor, your cousin, your they were all yes, they were all those things. But guess what? They're still a criminal at the end of the day. And I feel like we yes, I don't know. I feel like like you said, we turn away sometimes by the facts because that is a fact. Most of these incidents happen by someone that you know. And we try to make it seem like it's some random person. Like, oh, well, how could, like, because I hate that. Well, that was that person's whatever. Okay. So what does that mean? That they have, like, a get-out-of-jail-free card? Or that it couldn't have happened? So it... Yeah, I mean, there's there's incest, too, that occurs. I mean, and, and sexually assault. A lot, actually, a lot of little girls and boys who end up getting sexually assaulted is by... <laughs> an uncle a cousin yeah. sometimes their own fathers you know and it's just it's sad and it's rare the cases where you hear that it's the women that's assaulting but they they um they also live there are some women who assault boys um but it's usually a man that assaults both women uh, little girls and boys so there is a problem um and something should be done but we're gonna wrap mm-hmm. things up and so we can go on forever with this one <laughs> it was wonderful speaking to you cheyenne thank and you. thank you for sharing your story and your your beautiful poetry which i have her book and it is wonderful i still have to give it a review but it is <laughs> a wonderful and you should read thank you and the tragic type of beautiful Thank you. And like, I, and like, thank you so much for number one, taking um, this step to create a podcast and having these important conversations, because at the end of the day, like I tell everyone when they say, well, what can we do to stop this issue, that issue? It's talking about it. It's, it's making it, it's normalizing the conversation of prevention and fixing a broken system. And, you know, even like you said, this one conversation could help heal somebody it could help somebody it could teach somebody and you know I hope that from listening to both of us who's ever listening that you realize one like you're not alone and we I believe you we believe you and two that there are resources out there and we know sometimes they're very much hard to find very much very much hard Mm -hmm. to find but there are many of us working you know to try to bridge that gap between trauma and healing, whether that's in the legal system, whether that is through a poem, whether that's through a picture. So I would just like to say, you know, as you know, this conversation might feel very sad in one aspect. I hope I take it as also showing that, you know what, there is strength in knowing that we can come together to kind of, you know, heal in our own way and figure out well, how can we make this better? How can we prevent this from happening again? Yes, exactly. So to all you guys listening, if you're in a similar situation, um, we definitely suggest that you find some sort of an outlet to express and a friend or somebody to speak to because if you don't, it will end up consuming you and you will end up in some sort of depression and it could lead up to even becoming suicidal. Mm -hmm. So we definitely suggest that you speak up and not just, not just for you or, you know, another person's life that you might save, but just for yourself, like just for that moment that was taken away from you that you'll never get back. So with that, we're going to let you guys go. And thank you for listening to, I mean, can we discuss? (laughs) Feel free to follow us. We will put this at the end of the podcast as well. On Instagram, I am at Astrid underscore Ferg, A-S-T-R-I-D underscore Ferg, F-E-R-G, Twitter, F-E-R-G. G underscore Astrid, so it's the reverse. 
Um, Cheyenne, as she said, she's at She Will Speak. Hey. And Twitter at She's Just Shy, which is C H E. Yes, they took She Will Speak on Twitter, but we ain't salty about that. You know, we, we still got it anyway. <laughs> still make moves anyway. <laughs> that was a wrap for today thank you so much for listening to i mean can we discuss don't forget to subscribe follow us if you want to see what we're up to what projects we're up to and enjoy the rest of your day night wherever you might be i was your host asher ferguson signing off